So um, we've been talking about 2 Timothy, and it is a powerful book because as Paul is writing at the end of his life, he is encouraging Timothy, someone who is very dear to him, to fulfill his ministry. And so we've been, we've been listening along. And like I said just a second ago, you know, the, the church saw this as an inspired book. And so it would be tempting, because this is called a pastoral letter, to write it off as, hey, it's for pastors, not for the rest of us. Or it's for church leaders. But I've been trying to help you understand that it is about you as well. It's like Paul's writing to you. Last week, I said that we need to learn how to speak truth, that that's one of the things that Paul exhorts Timothy. It's, it's preach the word, you know, and reprove and a rebuke and exhort. And it's great for us to do that as followers of Jesus, but we also need to receive that. So we have to be teachable. We have to be willing for someone to say, hey, you know what? I don't think you're thinking quite right here. Let me show you this thought. And we need to receive that because sometimes we're wrong and we need to be willing to admit that. But the section we're looking at today is just so wonderful because Paul is talking from his heart about his experience. And I'm calling this looking back and looking forward because he's encouraging Timothy to look forward, but he's also looking back on his life. And there's a specific way that I think we should do that that will be helpful. There's also a way we can do that that won't be helpful. So we'll talk about that too. But let me, uh, let me pray for us. And would you do just this? Would you just say, Lord, take everything else that I don't need to have on my mind right now. Would you just set that aside so I can hear your word? And then you ask the Lord to give you what you need this morning because you've got something on the word. There's something here for you this morning. I'm convinced of it. So let me pray, and you pray too. Father, thank you. Thank you for how effective your word is. Thank you, Lord, that you have given it to us, and we can receive it. So I just pray that you would use it in each of our hearts. May we take away what you want us to take away from this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to set this up, I want to kind of get you thinking along a certain line. And are you familiar with this phrase? No, not that one. YOLO. Do you know what that stands for? You only live once. Yes. So what has somebody used that phrase to encourage you to do? I, I, that's me jumping off a cliff. That's one, I think. So what has somebody used that to encourage you to do? Bull ride. Yes. So you only live once, so bull ride. What else? No one's ever said that to you? That's never been a motivation? Like, buy the convertible, 
not, not the station wagon. You know, the, the idea is that because life is short, you should just grab for all the gusto you can. Like, that, that's, that's the response here of just do something really, really fun or reckless, jump off a cliff, not live a really well-thought life. Like, make the most of the life that you live. When uh, my sons were getting ready to go to college, I went to CNU for the, the uh, promotional kind of, like, this is why you should come to CNU talk. And uh, the president um, said to this group of students, prospective students and parents, he said, said at CNU, something like this, I can't quote exactly, but something like, at CNU, we don't try to give students training for a life of success. He paused and took that in. He goes, we try to give them training for a life of significance. You know, like, like you're going to live a meaningful life. That is compelling, isn't it? Like, I want my life to matter. And that's why I think what Paul is saying to Timothy is so important for us. So let me give you another thing that help you set this up. So I saw this this week in something I read that Dr. Tony Evans had written. He said, God looks at your future while the enemy tries to keep you in your past. I've really been thinking about that. Because you see, too often when we look back, we can see our mistakes. We can see the things where we failed. And they can be overwhelming to the point where you think, well, man, I just... I'm worthless. Like, I can't do anything. I can't accomplish something. I can't make a difference. And he wants to keep you trapped there. Like, God has no use for you because you've been too, too sinful or too selfish. But God doesn't look at you that way because he sees your future. He sees what he has for you. And that's why this passage is so helpful, because it's going to help us see how we can look back, because Paul looks back, but it's also going to help us how we can look forward, because Paul looks forward. So this is what he says to Timothy, and remember, this builds off of what we talked about last week, where he said, you need to preach the word. And so then he says this, he says, can you click that for me? He says, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So he's exhorting Timothy, this is how I want you to live. This is how you should live. He says, be sober, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. So let's talk about each one of those. The first one is be wide awake and alert in all you're doing. It's not just don't be drunk. It's be alert in what you're doing. Now, that makes sense. If you're driving, you want to be alert. 
But it's possible for us to miss opportunities. It's possible for us to not see what the real issues are. To make a life of significance, to be about what God wants us to do, we've got to be paying attention. And so he's encouraging Timothy to be alert. The second thing he says is endure hardship. Don't expect easy. Some things are going to be hard and difficult. That's normal. Now, I know Jesus says, my yoke is easy, right? We know that. God doesn't give us an impossible task. He gives us things that he has gifted us to do. He gives us things we can accomplish. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Jesus said there's going to be tribulation. You're going to have tribulation, but don't fret. I've overcome the world. I was talking with a, I was talking with a businessman this week, and he's been in his profession over 40 years. And he said this has been the hardest year ever because they couldn't meet customers' expectations, and the response has been horrible. It's been brutal. He said, I tell pastors, preach patience. Be patient. He said, we expect things, like if it's hard, that something's wrong. That's not true. Things are going to be difficult at times, and that doesn't mean you're on the wrong course. So he says, endure hardship. And then he says, do evangelism. Do the work of an evangelist. Timothy may not have been an evangelist. You know, we like to think, hey, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I don't have to share my faith. No. We have a message. We have a message that gives hope. I read a horrible statistic this week that said that the life expectancy, like, like the, the, the death rate in our culture had, had gone down or was better for every age group except for young adults. And you know why? It had to do with suicide and drug abuse. People are dying because of a loss of hope. And you and I have a message that gives them meaning and significance. So do evangelism, even if it's not your gift, and then do what God made you to do. Now, he says, fulfill your ministry, and you know, if you've been around Grace at all, you know I've been trying to say again and again, we think of ministry as just something maybe pastors or missionaries do, but you have a ministry. You have a gift. You have work that God has created just for you to do. I, uh, we got an email um, our district sends out emails, and one of the emails that came out this past, I think it was this past week, or maybe it was last week, one of the pastors in our area had talked about, had written it, and he had said that he was really tired one day, and he was just kind of zoning out watching hunting videos. And as he was watching the hunting videos, one of them was this interview with a professional guide. And the guide, you know, so he's talking, this interviewer is talking to the guide, and he says, so, do you love hunting? And the guy goes, no. And the interviewer says, well, you're a professional guy. Like, you don't love hunting? He goes, no, 
I hunt because I'm a hunter. That's what God made me to be. See, sometimes the work that God has called you to, you are not actually going to love at that particular moment because it's difficult, because it's hard. But that doesn't mean you haven't been gifted in it. Truth be told, there are times I do not like being a pastor. Truth be told, there are times I bet you don't like some of the things that you know you're supposed to be doing. They're not particularly fun in that moment. And that's why Paul says, endure hardship. Fulfill your ministry. You are a part of what God is doing. Now, this is where it gets really beautiful because Paul has said this to Timothy, and he's trying to exhort him as the next generation of leaders. And then this is what he says about himself. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So you know Paul's in, in prison. He's not expecting the trial to go well. He's expecting he's going to be killed. And so he says this. He says, you know, the drink offering, it's, it's the, the cup's about empty. And he said that the language here is like I'm pitching my tent. Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to be gone. And uh, then he says this, I fought the good fight, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. What, what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to be able to say. And those are all probably athletic. The good fight is probably like an athletic environment. And so I love this picture because he knew what he was about, and he was steadily at it. So I brought, I brought a T-shirt today. That's what I've been holding in my hand. And so this is the Mountain Masochist T-shirt. And I've worn it once in a while, and people go, oh, did you run the Mountain Masochist? No. I got this because I stood at one of those aid stations, you know, and, and, and handed out cups of water. You know, this is how they reward the volunteers. But the Mountain Masochist is a fascinating race. It's a 50-mile ultramarathon. There's a few people in the room who have actually run it. I've seen them. And uh, it is fascinating because of how long it is, how much they have to train to do it, and then the psychology of it. And uh, if you go to one of those aid stations and ever watch these guys, like there's some elite runners. They have to finish the 50 miles in 12 hours. Like that's the cutoff. You're a finisher if you can run 50 miles in 12 hours. So you can do the math on how fast that is. But the elite runners will be going through much earlier. Like they, like there's a few, and then you know you're not going to see anybody for a while after the, these like really fast guys go through. But then they have hard cutoffs. In other words, of time. And we were one of those aid stations that had a hard cutoff. And if you didn't get there by a certain time, we had to make you stop because you weren't going to fit. It, we, you know, the math was pretty clear. You were not going to finish in 12 hours. And it was interesting because sometimes you would tell the person that they had to quit and they'd really be disappointed. And then other times it was like, thank you. <laughs> like, I just don't have it in me today. I can't, I can't do this. But the thing is, there's so much of pacing and preparation to run that race. 
And that's such a good picture for us for life. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not just one event. It's a series of things that you have to accomplish. And that's what Paul says. He says, I fought the fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Now, we're going to see at the end, the end of the book, there's this list of people, and there were some that didn't. But Paul did. And that's a good thing to look back on, isn't it? To get to later in your life and be able to say it on about what you've done. So I, I just want to ask you this question this morning. What race are you running? Like, is it one that has to do with your career? Is it one that has to do with your family? Is it one that has to do with what, what race are you running? And what pace are you setting for it? How are you approaching it? What are you using as a guide for that? Another way of asking this is, what's your goal? What does a life of significance look like for you? What does a life of success look like for you? Paul had a clear picture of that in mind. And so he shares that with Timothy. He says, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, Paul had a very clear picture of the future. He knew he was going to face Jesus. Friends, you and I are going to face Jesus. And there's going to be a conversation about our lives. We're going to talk about how our lives have gone. You're going to face Jesus. I'm going to face Jesus. Now, that can either strike terror into your heart or can bring joy into your heart. It should bring joy because our sin has been dealt with in the cross. Our sin has been cleansed and forgiven. This is about what we've done. This is about who we are. And Paul tells us he knows he's going to get a crown a crown of righteousness. And he knows that everybody else who has loved Jesus appearing, Jesus coming, the coming of the fullness of the kingdom of God, everyone else who loves that will receive that same crown. So we see in this Paul is exhorting a younger man to fulfill his ministry and giving him instruction about that He's describing his own view of his life. So I, I see in this three steps. The first is to look back correctly. Only look back with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Never look at the past apart from asking the Holy Spirit to guide you. Why? Because one of two things will happen. One thing that may well happen is if you look in the past, you will become introspective. 
And if you become introspective, you will dig up all of the dirt that has ever been in your life. And Satan loves that because he will jump on your case and say, yes, you are a horrible person. Yes, you are terrible. You've done awful things. There is absolutely no way God could ever use someone like you. You are finished. You are toast. You are done. There is no good thing that happens from being introspective like that. Beating up on yourself accomplishes nothing. So you look back with the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like? Well, if you have ever read Psalm 139, you know that when David looked back, he affirmed that he had been fearfully and wonderfully made in his mother's womb. He affirmed that God had cared for him. He remembered all of God's blessings. And then he says, Lord, is there any hurtful way in me? So you ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that I need to deal with? Maybe there's somebody you need to apologize to. Maybe there's a sin you need to confess. Maybe there's a situation you need to make right. But don't go looking for that apart from the guidance of the Holy Spirit because Satan jumps on that and sends you down all kinds of tailspins in negative ways. If you look at Paul, he said as he was talking in Ephesians that I am the least of all saints. Why? Because he had them killed. Like, if, if, if he listened to Satan, Satan would have told him, there's no way God could ever use you. You're a murderer. So, you look back with the Holy Spirit. One of the things that will happen if you do that is you'll remember the blessings. You'll remember all those things that should, you should give thanks for that will give you strength and encouragement. Like, hey, God came through then. Oh, he might come through in the future. God came through then. Oh, he might come through tomorrow. Like, I can trust him for tomorrow because I've seen how he's provided for me in the past. Those are the things that are easy to forget. So look back with the Holy Spirit. Then look forward to facing Jesus. Look forward to talking with Jesus about your life. What are you going to want to talk about? He anticipated the future. And Paul knew, like you read his writings, he knew what was ahead for us. Unblushing, amazing rewards. When we proclaim the kingdom, when we proclaim the gospel, it's not just about escaping hell. It's about all that God has planned for those that love him. It's beyond our comprehension. It hasn't even entered your mind how amazing the good things that God has. It, it hasn't even, you're going to go, oh my, wow. It's beyond your comprehension. So you look forward to that so that then you live in the present wisely. You live for what's important in what matters. That's why all of this letter for Timothy, Paul is saying, look, look at my example. Look at what I've done. I've tried to model this for you. Get after it. And that's what I want for you. I want for you and for me to see where God is at work in our lives, how he's gifted us, what's the role you have to play. You have a part, and we are a part of the unassailable undefeatable, advancing kingdom of God. He is at work 
in the world. And you and I get to join him in what he's doing. Your part is unique. It's unique to you. It's based on the gift that God has given you. It's based on the, the presence of the Spirit in your life. It's, it's based upon your story. But there's a role for you to play. There's a role for you to do. And Paul says, fulfill your ministry. So that's Paul, Paul's word to Timothy. And I think that's Jesus' word to us. So what's your next step? My encouragement to you would be get some time this week to just do these three little steps and see where that leads you. Let me pray. Father, we're so thankful for the, the models that you have given us of godly men and women. We're so grateful to be able to look and see how people have followed you. And may that encourage us, Lord, to do the same. May we trust you in fresh and deeper ways and enter more into what you are calling us to do. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.